Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hey, friend, it is Angie Austin with the good news. Got many of the good news gals here. And, uh, boy, it's almost even Steven today. We have three good news guys. So that's when I call it my God squad. Whoop, whoop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready. Are you ready? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Eric Reamer's been joining us. Eric is my radio buddy. Had a show, Experience Pros Radios, for 10 years, and uh, we've stayed friends. And uh, since he worked next door to me here, I said, hey, why don't you start uh, doing some uh, segments with the Good News Gals? I think you'd get a kick out of it. And if I, Am I right so far? I am having the best time, and your gals... Top notch. I know, I know. So basically, it's like you're sitting down with some friends and you're having a cup of coffee and you're having conversations. And the cool thing about bringing in the male voice as well is we're talking about how to navigate life, you know, as Christians and as parents and friends and, you know, parents of, you know, or, uh, you know, children of aging parents. So there's a lot going on in our lives. And in the last week, we've talked about divorce and we've talked about death of one of the good news gals' husbands suddenly. And uh, Michelle Ron's been honest about being in that part of her life where she puts it she goes to a lot of doctor's appointments and she's um, singing at a lot of her friends funerals and it's a hard stage of life for her and then Roxy uh, Roxy one of the good news gals she's got a three and uh, pardon me a five and seven year old and now she's got a 15 year old almost 15 year old that she's added to her bunch so we've got Michelle we've got Roxy our other Michelle Miss Senior America 2004 and then also uh, Jennifer Jennifer Bishop joining us and Eric I introduced and producer Dave we have quite a crew and also now we're going to talk addiction and addiction recovery because joining us today is Rob Lohman and talk about friends um I often say it's good news gals and uh, the good news and friends. Rob, when I looked up Rob Lohman on Facebook, I saw that we had like, you know, like a hundred mutual friends or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. So I started going through the pictures saying like, oh my gosh, he knows like a lot of my good Christian friends. And that's the theme when I get, um, when I'm on Facebook and I'm looking at someone, I check to see which friends we have in common. And they were 66, actually, to be exact, of my very good friends, including you, Eric, and Beatrice Bruno, right. the drill sergeant of life. And underneath Rob's name, it says, I love helping people move from addiction into recovery. If I can help, call me. And it's got his phone number. And I was like, wow, Rob, that's like putting it out there. Yeah, you got to be available for people, so I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm afraid if I said, if you if you need some help, give me a jingle and just put my phone number on my Facebook. I mean, that's that's bold. That's the difference between men and women. Yeah. Just call me. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I'm desperate, right? Well, I want to hear about your journey because this is what you do now, and I know that this has been a very lumpy and bumpy road to helping others so um are you comfortable sharing your testimony with us oh most definitely it's it's the story god gave me so it's the story i share so let's step back in time a little you know a lot of people like i'll give my testimony well last week and i'm like no no we're going back further than that so tell us a little about yourself yeah well i mean i grew up in a christian home and the journey for me was you know being that kid that did all the 
you know, the outreaches, all the ski trips, all the church things. But age 14, alcohol entered the picture, and that just kind of— Already kinda, at 14. Yeah. I, I was the kid that brought the flask with you on, like, the church ski trip and then just kind of snuck it up on the slopes. And so it was kind of like putting on that image, the chameleon lifestyle, you know? And alcohol just kind of became my master for the next 15 years, and just that was everything I did involved alcohol, drinking, drugs, sex. Just so wait, kinda... go back to that. Okay, I, I noticed Michelle's writing it down too. Teacher, teacher Michelle writes down notes. Well, so just know that she's yeah. lifestyle. Yes, chameleon. what a great boy that. Where at church you're the right church boy, and with your party friend you're the right party boy, and at home you're the right student. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I had great grades, straight A's. It was just kind of I could manipulate. I mean, as as addicts, we become great manipulators. So, and I always knew in the back of my mind, like you know, being a Christian, it was like, okay, God, you're my savior, but I'm not ready to make you my Lord yet. And so that's kind of the way I lived my life for pretty much a majority of my life up until I got sober. Now, when you started drinking at 14, because my dad t- once told me how he became an alcoholic, and it was in high school, and it was immediate. Like, the second he had it, he felt like he needed it, and when he drank it, it was a binge. It wasn't just, like, a little. He w- drank it. Yeah, the switch went on. It was really funny. I was actually at a church little gathering, um, and a buddy of mine showed up with a six-pack of beer, and he just said, Hey, Loman, you want to go have a few beers? And I'm like, sure. So it was two girls, two guys, and a six-pack of beer. Three of them went down like that for me, and I knew right then it was like I found my my uh, my elixir. It was just kind of, and the switch just went off. So. And how old were you then? Fourteen. Wow. Yeah, and I hit it well. You know, I hit it with allergies and dry contacts and, you know, it was just. I mean, going to school during the day, it was sneaking away and going to the local restaurant and with three or four buddies and drinking these big. Hulu or whatever they were called, like Hawaiian drinks at a local Chinese place. You'd be able to get served. Yeah, in, in high school, we'd go down there, and it was fake look, IDs. Take and a look at him; he's a big boy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I see and how. So that you'd happens. go in high school on like lunch, at lunchtime and go drink big Hawaiian drinks and be able to come back to school and semi-function. Yeah, because you were like the teacher's aide who was your swim coach, and you just kind of got away with stuff. So you were able to keep up that facade, even if staying in sports and continuing to get good grades, even with the addiction. Yep, yeah, and I realized senior year, because I was a really good swimmer, and I realized senior year, since I was getting drunk before swim practice, it was time to quit swimming. And, um, or not drunk, but like, you know, drinking, which isn't safe anyway. So I just kind of, you know, just kind of backed out of swimming. And But you gave up swimming. That you were good and, at. Yeah. You maybe even could have gotten wow. a scholarship or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been that good, but I, I mean, I, it was, it was, I always say that if you put alcohol and potential in the same room, like alcohol kicks potentials rear end every single time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it just does. Oh, I'm just so thankful I've never had a taste for alcohol. I have so many addicts in my family, and it's just not ended well. All I can say to my kids is, okay, there's drugs, and there's people who don't take drugs in our family. Okay, so there's my brother who's dead. He was murdered. My brother who's homeless. He did it. And there's dad who was out of my life for 35 years. They're the, the ones that did it. And then there's me. And then, you know, and uh, brother, yeah, brother, uh, my brother Ted, who graduated the top 1% of his class at West Point Military Academy, and you compare him to his sibling that was a year apart and who, who was murdered, and then my sibling who was close to me who's still homeless. So I said, it's kind of obvious to me. And like my, my uncle, my uncle who overdosed and died, you know, it's like, and then my, my two cousins that just, you know, one of them just got out of prison, you know, so it's like, okay, you've got, you can divide our family right down the middle, the ones who use it and the ones who don't, that is that clear cut. So I said, when your friends tell you that, hey, it's not a big deal, just try it, you're such a dud, what a loser, you're yeah. no fun, Are you, you're scared, aren't you? You're scared. Just say, well, in my family, they just pretty much die when they use it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll, that'll turn someone the other way. Yeah, right. they die in my family. Yeah. All right, so how do then you quit swimming? Yep. So I'm just joining us on the good news. Rob Lowman's talking about his testimony, his journey from addiction out of addiction to now helping people recover. Uh, so much so that he throws his uh, phone number right up on Rob Lowman on Facebook and says, "Give me a jingle if you want some help." So you're um, dropping out of uh, of of swimming, and you're a senior in high school, and then where do we go? Yep, so the dream was to go be a doctor. So that was a, my grandpa was a doctor. He, like, delivered half of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so I wanted to go to college to be a doctor, so the great place to accelerate your drinking and use is when you're in college. So I went to uh, DePaul University and just, you know, I, I, I had the dream to be a doctor, but alcohol was just always there. And now I didn't have parents that loved me a lot, and they were not around all the time, so, excuse me, so I could manipulate that avenue along the way and um and you know college was just a it was good and it was bad it was you know I was the fraternity guy you know that just tried to again create that chameleon lifestyle Boy, and if you're an alcoholic and you're in a fraternity it, talk about an environment that is feeding your addiction gasoline to, to the fire oh it was horrible yep. i mean it was and in your and you can manipulate the conversations with parents at home and so i got in trouble a few times with the cops when i was in college and it was just kind of like go to these recovery meetings and you can't drink, but we can test you anytime you want. And so it was just this art of being the chameleon lifestyle. And um, I'm actually, there's a, there's a theory I'm working on called the chameleon theory. So no one can, no one can, it's on the air now. So just know that this <laughs> is yours. coming, but yeah, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, it's just the manipulation world. So I was in, I was a biology student, had a huge focus on Still want to be a doctor, but just kind of blind to the fact that you got to go to class and no, yeah, stop yeah, it. yeah, you got to study. <laughs> you have to get A's, and but if I needed to get an A, I got it easy. I was just smart, but I just didn't want to apply myself. I didn't have that drive, the internal drive. Uh, but still, like you know, the the moments of death I almost had in college due to drinking, and that's I started doing drugs in college too. Oh, so I would never oh. do drugs. Never. Oh, okay. So that got added into added, there. Yeah, a little bit of drugs. A little bit of pot. And that was fun. And then I was like, oh, pot's cool. So I smoked a lot of that. And then it was, oh, well, you may as well try some shrooms. And so I tried that. And, and it was just anything someone put in front of me, except I knew my limits. I knew I would. I never would ride a motorcycle, and I would never do cocaine or or put anything that was really hard in my body. So. Um, but you know, uh, felt you were still dabbling, and yeah. so he—if you just heard him say it was fun—it becomes not fun very quickly. So we'll get to that part. Yes, yeah, fun, not yeah, exactly. So, but somehow I managed to graduate college in four years. I was the first guy in my family to do that, and I remember graduation day, like both sets of grandparents were there, cousins, everyone from Indiana came in, and I still didn't know if I was going to graduate. Mm. But I didn't tell my parents. I didn't oh, tell anybody nerve-wracking. this. Nerve-wracking. My GPA and my, my my GPA and my major was a little bit low, and I had to get like a huge grade, like almost ace the final to like pass. Oh! But no one knew that except for Rob and my and my professor. So the day of graduation, my professor calls me in. And he's like, "Rob, get in my office now." <gasps> and I'm thinking, this is not. This is not good, you know, hundred and something thousand dollars in college education down the drain, right? But he brings me in, and he, and he had, so it was a five-page test, and he shows me the first page, and he's like, something like ninety-nine, ninety-eight, a hundred, and keeps flipping the pages. He's like, this is the highest score I've ever had on my final. He's like, what in the heck have you been doing? You pass, get out, good luck. And so, so did, he didn't question if you were cheating no. or. Anything? No, he. I mean, he. He knew you were smart. Yeah, he knew. I mean, he knew that I had a lot of intelligence. I was just a lazy guy it. that liked to party. Yeah. yeah. So, 
why why apply it but and i've always felt bad about that because i mean my parents paid for college and it was one of the things of well um when i graduate college I want, I'm not going to be a doctor, so I'm going to go live in Vail for a year and a half while I figure myself out. Oh, your gap year gap at Vail year. and a year and a, a half. Year. And how long did the gap year become? It was a year and a half. I promised okay. 18 months, and then, I mean, it was it was just, I don't even want to talk about that, 18 months. It was bad. And, um, oh, it but, got worse. Oh, it got a lot worse. I mean, blackouts. I mean, I was, I was a bouncer because I graduated college 215 pounds because um, I, I totaled my car before my senior year in a drunk driving accident. Flipped my car end over end six times and... No one I mean, died. I should be dead. Like, I mean, there's, I got plenty of stories on I just should 100% be dead. But for the grace of God. Amen. I was just going to say, but God. And I always believe that, but I use that as the excuse to be a fool. Ah. Oh. Because I believed he was keeping me alive for something bigger and better. Well, he was. Oh, yeah. And I just, and so I use that. To be like, I was, I kind of convinced myself I was invincible and. I get more invincible in my mind later on in my story. So, uh, so, Paul approached that in the Bible. He says, what should we say then? Uh, because sin abounds, should we just go ahead? Or grace abounds, should we continue to sin? And he answers it, absolutely not. Yeah. Sometimes we need to get that message. Yeah. Okay, so you're in Vail. Yep. Uh, you're uh, out of school. You're there for 18 months. It was bad. You'd already had a really bad uh, DUI accident totaling your car. And then what happens after Vail where your addiction gets even worse? Yeah, it was crazy. And the, th the weird thing was, like, I didn't get a DUI. I got away with that, too. Whoa. I never got a DUI. Anytime I got arrested, I got out of it. It was just this art of manipulation. So um, so it was kind of after that and then went to Vail and then just became a, a professional alcoholic and professional businessman and just dabbled in the world of, like, I went and got my MBA because I just figured that would make me more marketable. Um, got married, got divorced really fast because it just was a good alcoholic marriage. and But just always presented this image. You know, I was in real estate, but I told people I was a stockbroker because I thought that sounded cooler. Like, I just had this, like, I, I, I wasn't comfortable with who I was, so I just put this image on of who I, oh, yeah. I thought the girl I was talking to the bar would think I was cooler because of this or whatever. It was just, I was so just kind of messed up in the head just because you don't know the false from reality. All your friends drink. Find ones that drink more, so you don't look as bad. Go to church on Sunday every now and then. Oh, find know. ones who drink more, so you seem like the good one of to the group. Totally, yeah. Yeah, that they're the losers, and yeah. you're the one that really keeps it together as yep. an alcoholic. So, what finally ended this? What? How far? How low did you go? Yeah. So, um, so I ended up getting uh, divorced, and I was living in Indiana after I got my MBA. My uncle hired me on to work in real estate. It was a six-state region. And it was one of those nights where I, I, like, really wanted to quit drinking. Like, I was tired of it. I was up to close to, like, two bottles of scotch a day, yes. Had you had that feeling before that you wanted to quit? Oh, yeah. You did? Oh, yeah. You had. Oh, yeah. Okay. Many times. It really? Was, I, I, I was sick and tired of who I was becoming. Yes. But I just didn't really have the... Know how to do it. Yeah. No, I yeah. just didn't want to. I was, like, sick and tired but didn't want so, to do it. So, Rob, you know, this is the good news. Where, where did it turn? for you what was the what was the aha uh -huh, I, I i got i yeah we're getting to the, the lowest shift. point yeah. where you make the, 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 the shift yeah so it was um it was a couple months before this like i'd be driving down the highway and i would literally see my car hit a median explode i would die in the vision i would have but i'm just driving straight down the highway this was happening more and more and more and so one night i'm hanging out in a bar in fort wayne indiana and um it was my scene it was you know music girls just what i did like eight nights a week i joke about but i went out every night 
And all of a sudden, the bar got completely dead silent. And I audibly heard the words, you're done. And then the bar got completely loud again. And not knowing what just happened, I looked at my buddy, Sean. I'm like, dude, I got to go home. I don't know what just happened. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I finally got to, I'm finally done drinking. Like God just told me I'm done drinking. So I drive home completely intoxicated to my one-bedroom apartment in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I walk up the 12, 15 stairs up to my loft with a workout gym in the middle because I was fit. And, you know, I just had to have a gym in the middle as a single guy, right? But I end up walking right past my dog, Jake. And I uh, put about 300-plus pounds on my barbell and laid down on my workout bench, put my hands on that barbell, picked it up, and just dropped it. Oh. And um, in mid-drop, mid this all happens in, like, split seconds. And I can see it happening when I tell you the story, too, is the bar, drop, the bar stops. My dog starts nudging my leg, kind of doing the head tilt thing, like, you know, what are you doing, Dad? And my first thought was, who's going to feed Jake tomorrow morning? And then I started thinking about my parents and all the good stuff in my life. And it was the only power of God because he stopped the bar coming down. He put the bar back up on the rack. And um, I can hear it just clink as I tell you that too. And, and I finally felt like his comfort and his arms surround me. And he gave me the strength to get up and go pour out $60 bottle of scotches. $60, you know, you know what I mean, scotch. And just watching it in slow motion, just the driplets popping out of there. And I just, and I felt like I was done. And I slept in peace that night and um, woke up the next day and meant to call my parents, but actually, my aunt actually called my parents and cried for an hour and said, I need help. And that was the answer prayer my mom had been praying for a while. And uh, it was just, it was that powerful day where it just, God just literally removed the obsession and compulsion to drink that day. I haven't had a craving in 17 years. And, um, and it's, Chills. it's fascinating to know that, cause I know the only th way that happens cause he did that. And that was the plan he had for me. And, you know, my recovery story is insane in uh, many other nutshells going forward with that. But recovery wasn't easy, but I just found a lot of great people that helped in sobriety and I wanted it. And I plugged into recovery meetings and got back to church, all these things. And then so um, faith became part of it. Oh yeah. Faith, faith was what I lived by. And then. Um, later on in recovery, you know, fear overtook faith, and that led to a major nervous breakdown in year 2012, which landed me to go to prison for a little while, and that's in recovery, right? And uh, and that story is, you know, and, you know, another 30-minute story inside of that too. But it's that awakening right there realized that it's not just about sobriety; it's about community and people and recovery, and the journey that goes along in that too is just just as hard as like, it's easy to put the drink down, but you got to learn how to live life mm -hmm. on life's terms. And so, so I've had to do that, you know, ever since spending some time behind bars, um, in 2012, to, it was, uh, well, 2013, I went away for 10 and a half months and, you know, through the whole journey, my wife stayed with me. I got married and had two great kids. She stayed with me through this whole process and we continue to work through that in itself. She's a Christian too. Yeah, she's a Christian too. And and she's the one that actually told you to reach out to me. And yeah. then I said, Hey, why don't you come in and share your testimony? And so, uh, tell people how they can reach you. Cause I'm sure there's someone right now listening, uh, who's dealing with addiction and doesn't know how to take that step to get better. Yeah, totally. Um, so they can just call me. <laughs> My number's out there. It's 970-331-4469. And then they can go check out because I have a podcast I do, and um, I do a lot of different avenues of recovery, but they can always go to theaddictionrecoveryhub.com. Theaddictionrecoveryhub.com, 
And the phone number again, 970-331-4469, 970-331-4469. And again, that's Rob Lohman. appreciate you uh, coming in, Rob. We'll have to then have you come in again and give us your testimony through the recovery part that sounds like uh, that might have been as painful as the pre-recovery part in terms of the, your journey there. I'd be happy to. All right, again, Rob Lohman, uh, and you can go to the Addiction Recovery Hub, uh, his website. And uh, Eric Reamer's here, uh, and also the Michelles. And uh, we've also got uh, Roxy O'Brien. You hear Roxy on my show a lot. Uh, Rejuvenation on the rocks.com. And Jennifer Bishop, you can reach any of us at my website, AngieAustinRadio.com. Good news of Jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670kltt.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Mountaineering Weekend is back at the YMCA. YMCA of the Rockies will hold its fourth annual Mountaineering Weekend, February 15th to the 18th. Recently named Best Family Resort in America by USA Today's 10 Best Reader's Choice Awards, YMCA of the Rockies is located on over 800 acres with three sides bordering Rocky Mountain National Park, providing the perfect landscape for outdoor enthusiasts and their families and dogs to explore mountaineering. The Mountaineering Weekend features educational sessions on winter survival tips and mountaineering skills like avalanche awareness, beacon rescue searches, orienteering, and the best first aid for backcountry. You'll also meet real search and rescue dogs and learn from their handlers how they use their keen skills to locate missing hikers. You'll get to explore a snow cave, attend a sled dog presentation while meeting the pups. All Mountaineering Weekend activities are fun and engaging for all ages. And all Mountaineering Weekend activities are free for guests staying in the lodge rooms or cabins. Book now at ymcarockies.org. Rejuvenation on the Rocks is a cutting-edge medical facility in Greenwood Village that will have you looking and feeling your best. Roxy O'Brien transforms lives using a non-surgical revolutionary treatment called Cool Sculpting that targets, freezes, and eliminates fat cells in the areas of your body that are resistant to diet and exercise. With this non-invasive and effective procedure, you will start to see a difference fast. And the best part is that as a Good News listener, you will receive a buy three, get one free special on your Cool Sculpting package. Call Roxy at Rejuvenation on the Rocks at 720-328-9094 or go to Rejuvenation on the Rocks that's Rejuvenation on the ROX.com to start your cool sculpting package and be sure to tell Roxy that you are a good news listener to receive your special pricing deal Hello, hello, hello friends this is producer Dave um, this is my next installment in my wonderful author series I've been doing I know I've told you several times that uh, you know I, I talk to these PR people. Uh, my my one of my favorites is Don Otis. He sent me this one. Um, talk to a lot of PR people, and they represent a lot of authors and speakers. And they got all these people that they represent that want to get their word out. They have all these messages that get out. Not everybody makes the cut, that's for sure. Um, so I picked the cream of the crop that I want to share with all of our wonderful good news listeners. And um, today is going to be a really good one. Um, this is something that is near and dear to my heart. I am kind of a clean freak, but I have a clutter problem, and it gets really hard. And, and not not only in you know it, it, on my counter, like my kitchen top counter, but my emails and my desktop and things like that. And I have a problem, and, and sometimes it gets hard to concentrate. And today I'm going to be talking to Courtney 
Ellis, and she wrote the book Uncuttered, Free, Free Your Space, Free Your Schedule, Free Your Soul. Now, Courtney is very, very accomplished. Um, she went to Wheaton College, Loyola University, Princeton Theological uh, Seminary. Uh, so she knows a lot about this, and she's going to here to teach us a little lesson about how to unclutter our lives, free our souls, and kind of free up time and make ourselves feel better. Hello, Courtney. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Dave? I'm great. Thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to this interview just because uh, I am. I, you know, my, my wife in particular is very cluttery, and I think that it'd be nice to get her to unclutter a little bit. And, um, and I'm always looking for ways to do that, so I'm glad you're on the show to help teach us about this. Well, I'm glad to be here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and how this happened and tell us about you and are, are, were you cluttery and then got over that or did you just notice that, uh, you know, that, that if even the physical space around you can kind of help unclutter your soul? Yeah, I was, I was cluttery for sure and not just with my possessions, uh, which, which were definitely cluttered, but with my schedule, there was just too much crammed in there and my digital life, my, my smartphone was kind of running my life rather than the other way around. And God really led me on this journey of discovering that less is more, that when we have too much, when we do too much, when we become too digitally dependent, we really start to miss out on the deeper, better things God wants to give to us. Right, and you kind of say less things equals more freedom. Yes. Yeah, every possession we have is something we have to take time to care for, to store, to dust, right? So when we have just enough, we suddenly have a lot of freedom to spend that time doing other things. It's not that we don't need anything. My husband and I aren't minimalists. We call ourselves minimal-ish. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when we have more than enough, it actually robs from us, steals our time, and it, it can steal our joy, too. Right, right, right. And you said, so before your, your change, or before God led you on this journey, or started this journey at least, um, you felt overwhelmed, and you were just, uh, there's too much going on, and your mind was cluttered, and so it was really difficult to get through the day-to-day. -day. It was, and I was so shocked that I was suddenly feeling all of this stress, because my life was pretty great. I had a solid marriage, and two healthy kids, and a job at a church that I loved. And so it didn't make sense that I would be feeling so overwhelmed until I sat down and realized my husband and I at that point had married about a decade. And over those 10 years, we had just stuffed more and more and more into our lives, more possessions, more events, more trips. A lot of the things were good, Bible studies and small groups and mission work, but you have a limited number that you can say, and we had given them all away. Right, right. I mean, and uh, well, that's great, you know, that once you started really doing that and, you know, getting into it, and people really do feel free. It's funny, uh, it seems like it's kind of a trend right now to kind of unclutter your life and to clean up your life and that it helps you in so many different ways. Uh, even that show on Netflix has become, I guess, right now, because that show with uh, Marie Kondo or whatever her name is, she has made it so that uh, going to the Ark... Uh, one of our favorite places to go thrift shopping is one of the best times ever to go to the ark because so many people are making all these donations. And I think it's a really good time, you know, especially at the beginning of the year. People like to unclutter, do all that stuff. It's a really good time of the year and really good time to focus on all that. And it seems like a lot of people are really focused on that. But even though we're focused on it, we all want to do that. We, we fall short. Why, why do you think it is so hard 
for us to give up these things. You know, it's like sometimes people hold on to things that are literally garbage and they just hold on to them because they feel like they need them. And what, why do you think that is and where does that come from? Right. That's such a great question. And I think the the roots of that are as old as humanity itself. You know, you, you read of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talking about how God's going to take care of you. You know, we, we seek after all these things, but God clothes the lilies and God feeds the birds. And he knew even even as far as far back as that, that we would be tempted to hoard and cling our possessions. So the, the problem is age old. And I think part of my journey was discovering the roots of the problem. It wasn't just the stuff. The stuff was kind of a symptom for some deeper things. And um, we uncluttered, and then I realized all the clutter was slowly coming back because I was buying more stuff, right? So I hadn't gotten to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem really has to do with how we feel uh, about our lives and how we feel about ourselves and how we're walking with the Lord. So if I believe that I have to be prepared for every possible eventuality and my possessions can save me, then I'm going to keep hoarding stuff. But if I start to learn to trust God and to invest in deeper and more lasting pleasures of life, not just that instant gratification, quick fix purchase— and that's where the truth of the gospel starts to shine through. And I realize that five new sweaters might make me feel good for a minute, but they're not going to solve my deeper hunger, which is a hunger for relationship. It's a hunger for the Lord. It's a hunger for, you know, developing these deeper joys and deeper pleasures, things like creating, making music, cooking food, gardening, right? These things that fill us up for much, much longer than that quick fix, instant gratification. And I'm a bargain hunter, too. I love thrift stores. I, you know, I wasn't spending a ton of money, but you can buy a lot of junk for not very much money. <laughs> right, right. That's so cool. Uh, but that kind of uh, leads into actually one of the next points I wanted to talk about, something that I don't uh, I think I understand completely I wanted to ask you about. You talk about decision fatigue. And um, it kind of ties into what you were just saying with, you know, you don't need the five sweaters and, um, you know, all that stuff around you and kind of this impulse to buy. Right. And and that retailers actually use it against us, this decision fatigue that they know that we're all experiencing this. Can you kind of explain that a little bit? Absolutely. We make something like thirty five thousand decisions in a day which is a crazy amount of things to decide. And every decision we make drains a little bit of our energy away so that by the end of the day, we're making, usually not making the best decisions like we would the first thing in the morning. It's why we wake up and think, okay, after work today, I'm going to exercise. And then after work, we're like, uh, I don't want to exercise because <laughs> we've made 20,000 decisions and we're tired. It's why grocery stores put the candy up near the cash register, because we walk in with intentions to buy chicken and milk and eggs and kale. And then at the register, we're tired. We've made a lot of decisions. We think, you know, maybe just a couple bags of M&Ms. Um, yeah, Target is excellent at that. I can't leave Target without oh, buying things Target. I don't need. Yes, I don't even really like Tic Tacs, but somehow at the <laughs> register, I really want some Tic Tacs. So um, and so the, the less we have, the fewer decisions we have to make in a day. If I have 10 coffee mugs every morning, I have a, a small little decision on which coffee mug I'm going to drink out of. But if I have two, if I have one for the house and a travel mug for the car, that's an easy decision. Am I home or am I going out? And the more we can make our lives simpler, the better decisions we can make later in the day. We have more energy left over for our walk with the Lord. We have more energy left over for our relationships with our spouse or our kids or our neighbors. 
Um, and that's what I wanted to preserve. I was draining away so much of my energy before I even left my closet in the morning. Which shirt, which pants, which shoes, which jewelry, what, how do I accessorize this? And it was just wearing me out and for, for really no good reason. Right. So, oh, man, what a that's crazy. It's, it's nice to know other people feel like that, too. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, other a people very, feel like that's a very too, common so, problem. Right, and a lot of people do that. So, um, so you, this is producer Dave. You're listening to the good news with Angie Austin and friends. Um, excuse me again. I uh, we're talking with Courtney Ellis about her book Uncluttered: How to Free Your Space, Free Your Schedule, Free Your Soul. And uh, she's just talking about going through how she was cluttery and how getting rid of all the stuff around her, clearing out her closets and offer her countertops yes but other things too emails online presence things like that too that you can get so cluttered and you start saying yes to everything for too much and and um you say in your book that the digital age has become an age of of overwhelming anxiety for some people however there's this balance between how technology can be bad for us and cause anxiety and cause depression and cause all these things, but then how technology is so useful. Now, do you really talk about, discuss about how to balance that and, and you find a good place in there so that you can accomplish your goals while not driving yourself crazy? I do, and it's been a it's been a journey for me because I think we often just adopt new technology without really thinking critically about it. We think, oh, the newest phone model must be the best, the newest computer must be the fastest, but often technology outpaces our our ethics around it and our ability to really take stock of our life and decide how is technology beneficial for me and how is it becoming something that uses me instead of me using it. So one of the things my husband and I did um, was we pared down our smartphones. We still have smartphones in large part because I need a GPS. I get lost a lot. <laughs> I have a very bad sense of direction. Um, and we want a camera so we can take pictures of the kids and take pictures of our life. Um, so a smartphone is super useful. But I realized my work email was following me everywhere, and I was constantly on social media. And I wouldn't be on it for long but it was two minutes here and two minutes there that would add up to hours over the course of my day. And those were hours I never get back. And so we've unloaded our phones so that when we're out, we can't get on the internet. We aren't able to access social media and suddenly we feel much more present in our daily lives and much more at peace and at rest because all of those little distractions slowly chip away at our energy. And I think they even start to do some damage to our souls when we're constantly digitally distracted. And the first thing that I discovered when I started to do this was that at the end of the day, I was far less tired. And we have a newborn right now, so we're just tired generally. <laughs> but it's not that soul-crushing, I'm so tired I can barely think. It's the tired that comes from a long day of work and being with kids and that good tired rather than that exhausted brain tired. Right, right. I mean, then there's a huge difference. And it's after when you sleep after that good tired, you wake up feeling refreshed. But when you're that exhausted brain tired, you never get over it. You still feel tired later, which is right. a, which is a really big one. And then that just builds on it the next day. And then you end up in this endless cycle of tiredness and grumpiness and anxiety. And um, it really helps to take some of these steps and do some of these things to actually live in this present and and kind of 
you know, feel God's presence around you, really, and, you know, unplug and really get that and then spend time with your family and spend time with yourself, even. And um, Absolutely. Right? That's the one thing we really miss out on entirely, is time with ourselves. Right, right. And that's, that's so important. And you, we always want to be pleasing somebody else or doing something for somebody else, especially I'm, I have two little boys, too. And uh, there's been times I'm like, oh, man. I could go to the gym and take care of myself for the next 45 minutes, or I could pick the boys up early and we could go get ice cream, right? And it's like, right. you know, which one should I do? But you want to do the right one, but you got to balance it. Um, but you also, okay, in your book, you talk about yesing yourself to death, and then you say no must flow from a larger central yes. I wonder if you could kind of get into that and tell me what you mean by that and how that can help us in our daily daily lives. Part of the problem for me was that I was, suffering from some mission drift. I had forgotten what the central mission of my life was, and so I started to say yes to everything. And a lot of the things I was saying yes to were good things, right? Yes to helping with the bake sale, yes to volunteering at my son's school, yes to helping with activities at church, good things. But I had said yes to so much, there was just nothing left. There was nothing left in the tank for for me, like you said, for the Lord, for my family, for my friends, and um you know, the Lord is really, really gracious, and when we come to these points of breaking and say, God, I don't know what to do next, um, often the devotion we're reading the next day or the scripture that the pastor preached on on the Sunday will really just minister to us. And I came to the passage, John 10.10, which is Jesus speaking, and he says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. And I felt like, gosh, that's what I want, right? I feel like my time is being stolen, and it's not even being stolen. I'm giving it away, but I want this abundant life. And so I, I started to think about what has God called me to in this season? Because our lives have seasons, and some seasons we're caring for ailing parents. Other seasons we have young kids. Some seasons are really intense at our jobs. And God was really faithful. God was like, you're, you know, you have these two young kids and you have this ministry at your church and you have your marriage and you have your neighborhood and these are your central yeses. So say yes to me first, say yes to to the work that I have for you, and then the rest will be easy. And when we know our first yes, our first yes to God, then the other things start to become so much simpler, and we don't feel the same guilt and obligation from a thousand other voices in our lives when we listen to that one voice first and foremost. It all seems so easy when you put it like that. <laughs> Sometimes it seems so oh, complicated. I'm still in the middle of it. Right, right. Well, that's that's funny. That's what's going to be my final question. We're almost done here, but I wanted to ask you one more question. So I want to know, is there a life after clutter-free life? Or, I mean, or better put, is is there ever an end? Is it ever over that you're driving towards this clutter-free life? I think that God gives us the same invitation every day, which is follow me. And we, we continue to walk that road with him, and God is so faithful. So if you came over to my house right now, you would not see much clutter. But if you popped the trunk of my car, you would see some clutter, <laughs> because there's always a place where it's going to creep back. And then we say anew, okay, God, I trust you. I'm going to stop holding on to all these things. I'm driving over to the thrift store to drop it off. Or there's a week in our calendar where my husband and I get to the end of the week and we say, we cannot do that much again. How did that happen again? And we sit down and you just have to continue bringing it to the Lord and being pretty ruthless. But the good news is 
that Jesus is in the business of uncluttering, that simplicity is a Christian virtue for a reason, because it is so life-giving that when we start, we always want to keep it going. Right. That's really great advice. And uh, hey, thank you so much for being on the show. Courtney, what, uh, can you tell our listeners where they can get your book first, uh, and then maybe what's coming next from you and where we can find you if we have questions or if we want to see, you know, all about more about you or, you know, learn more about you? Absolutely. The book is going to be available on Amazon February 1st. You can get it at christianbook.com right now. And you can find me at my website, which is Courtney B, B as in boy, CourtneyBLS.com, where you can actually read the first chapter of Uncluttered for free if you want just a taste. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. I hope this helps everybody out. You know, sometimes we seem perfect on the outside. And, you know, there's no we have no reason to feel this anxiety. We feel like we have no reason to feel this anxiety, yet we still do. You know, our lives are good. It could have a lot to do with these kinds of principles that Courtney's teaching us about in Uncluttered for your space, for your schedule, for your soul. Go check out a copy after February 1st on Amazon and then go check out CourtneyBEllis.com. Is that right? Dot com? That's it. Okay, great. Now, thank you again, Courtney, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again on the show. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Take care, Courtney, and uh, we'll be right back with some more good news. It's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Bark Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303-238-JANE, 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. Uh, They help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at ARC all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag, and I got it at ARC. I shop there, and I help others, and I donate my items about once every month or two. And I call 303-238-JANE, and they come right to my house with a truck, and they pick everything up. Check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to The Good News. If you like The Good News program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com AngieAustinRadio.com Just click on Contact Me. I would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. 
Angie Austin here. Well, did you know that students can take challenging courses, and they're challenging, and earn college credit while they're still in high school? Many of my friends' kids do it. My kids aren't quite there yet, but it definitely is intriguing. And right now, it's the time for high school kids to sign up for next year's classes. With so many choices, what makes AP courses so valuable? Joining us again is Terry Redican, APVP with the College Board. Welcome back, Terry. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Okay, so I'm fascinated by the fact that people can get college credit while they're still in high school because obviously that (laughs) saves a ton of money for their parents. So I'll be honest, it's very intriguing to me. So let's just start off with the basics of the benefits of high school level AP courses. Yeah, as you mentioned, AP courses are college level courses that you can take in high school. And the benefits of taking AP are real. Students can earn credit that saves them time and money in college. College admissions officers, they tell us they look for students who challenge themselves in high school by taking AP. Mm-hmm. And the students who take AP, they develop important skills like critical thinking, reasoning, communication, skills that will help them in college and, and beyond. So how do you determine which AP course to take? Because I know that in my son's middle school, and again, these aren't AP courses yet, but I know the way that they put, you don't have to take every class advanced. Like he might just be really great at science with AP courses. Does it work that way too? Or do you, you, know, you just choose like, wow, I'm really great at math. So I'm just going to take AP courses in math. There's a lot of flexibility when it comes to taking AP and and what you mentioned is along the lines. Good news is that we have an online tool to help students with the process. Millions of students took the PSAT last fall and now their school reports are online. On those online school reports, we have a section called AP Potential. It shows all of the AP courses that are at that student's high school and it identifies which of those courses that specific student has a particularly strong potential of being successful in based on the strengths they demonstrated on the PSAT they took in the fall. So that's a really neat tool that our data shows that it gives students confidence when we say, look, millions of students have taken the same course and have performed on these parts of the PSAT the way you did, and they've been very successful. We think you can be too. That's been a really neat tool. Students should also talk with high school counselors, teachers, their parents, talking with people who care about you as well as using that online tool. Those are some great ways to figure out which AP course or courses might be a good fit for you. Now, how do they actually get college credit by taking these AP courses, they find out which ones they actually have an aptitude towards the type of course, and then they're signed up. How do they get the college credit? Yes. Uh, nearly all U.S. colleges and universities grant credit and placement for a qualifying AP exam score, which are the exams that students take at the end of the school year in May. And so a qualifying AP exam score would be a score of three, four, or five on a scale of one to five. And then when a student earns credit, they can send their scores nearly anywhere. And by contrast, some other credit granting programs, they may not have the same level of transfer from state to state that AP does, but since AP has been around so long and college faculty are part of writing the exam questions and grading the exams, they recognize it and AP credits are accepted nearly anywhere. So let's talk about maybe newer AP courses that are available as well, something we may not you know, have heard about yet. Yeah, so sometimes people, parents are familiar with AP courses that were available when they were in high school and those courses are still around, but there are some new courses that have come out in the last few years that are very exciting. They've been well-received by teachers and students. I'll start with AP Computer Science Principles. That is a course, we've had an AP Computer Science course for a while, but this, it was very uh, heavy on coding, and this new course, AP Computer Science Principles, it's designed to be very inviting to all kinds of students. It introduces them to the foundational concepts of computer science. It includes some coding, but it's not just coding. It's about hands-on projects that help students learn how computer science applies to the wide range of careers out there, whether it's engineering, app development, 3D animation, robotics. 
robotics. You know, I, I can go on and on. There's so many careers that they get into when you get entry into computer science, and uh, this computer science principles course is a great one for that. And then there's two other courses that I'll mention that are new. They're part of our capstone program, AP Capstone Seminar and AP Capstone Research. Those are skills-based courses. And what I mean by that is the teacher helps the student choose the actual topic that they're going to study. And what students learn are college-level research skills, college-level presentation skills, and other skills working with a topic of their choice. And we found that when students do project work on a topic that they're passionate about, they can be much more engaged in a learning process. So for those reasons, students and teachers alike are loving Capstone and as well as computer science principles. Now, in terms of, you know, your background and why you got into this arena, have you always been big on education? What made you interested in working in this advanced placement uh, classes and programs? I have. I mean, my, my story, I'll, be, I'll keep it brief. I started out as an education major in college because I actually took AP in the mid-80s. I had the ability in my schedule to take a computer course early on in college. And I said, as much as I love education and I want to be a high school math teacher, that was my goal. I went into computers. I got a computer information systems degree. And then I ended up having a, nearly a 20-year career in computer information systems. The college board and the AP program and I met up just under 10 years ago when I was doing some technology work for them. And I got involved in the program and have been involved ever since trying to help introduce some of these new courses that I mentioned and modernize it. And of course, it doesn't hurt that I love teaching and, and learning and coaching. And in my personal life, I coach youth sports. So it all kind of comes together. I love the youth of the nation and being a part of AP is a really fun way for me to be connected to the education process. Pretty cool, Terry. And thanks for the coaching because my kids got all these youth coaches and it cracks me up when the parents are like, why aren't we doing this? Or why aren't we doing that? I'm like, why aren't you coaching then? Because this guy's volunteering <laughs> his time. <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> all right, Terry, the website where we can get more info? Yes, go to exploreap.org for more information, whatever we talked about today and much, much more. Excellent. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.